Hello everyone. Welcome back to Danger on Delmarva. This is a podcast and also YouTube channel that explores tragedies and disasters that have occurred on the Delmarva Peninsula. If you're not familiar with Delmarva, it's an area in the mid-Atlantic region of the U.S. that encompasses all of Delaware, Maryland to the east of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and Virginia to the north of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. I feel it's a wonderful place to live. There are so many gorgeous parks to visit, and we're central to many activities, including being in pretty close proximity to New York, D.C., and Baltimore. And all of these locations explore our history. Delmarva's unique position allows for fast travel between states or sometimes to distant parts of the state that frankly can feel like an entirely different world. Some of today's episode will take place on the western side of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. I debated for a while about whether or not to include this case as part of Danger on Delmarva, or if I should use it for my other podcast. But as this case does have crimes that are committed on the eastern shore of Delmarva, as well as there being interstate cooperation between police departments on both Delmarva and the western side of Maryland, I did feel that it should be included. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and I'll be your host today as we explore the paths that wind around Delmarva. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, this episode can be heard on podcast apps as well as on a YouTube channel, so please excuse me sometimes if I use the terms podcast or video interchangeably. Now, with this particular episode, I do know that um, that it will actually go to at least two episodes. I really don't want to make it any more than two, so... Um, yeah, I, I know a good place where I can just divide it into where the first half will talk more about the actual case and the trials, and then the second part will look more at the reactions, aftermath, um, you know, other court proceeding, court proceedings after that. Now, I really like doing this show because to me, all of this is real. I live in the area where these events have occurred, and sometimes I'm pretty close to them. Just last week, I'd been at a big box store, um, and then just very shortly after I'd left, two men stole knives that were in a display case, which whenever somebody actually steals knives, it does not really bode well, but they did assault the store security, but thankfully they were caught. Um, Just if anybody lives in the Delaware, Maryland, or Virginia area and would like to see that flyer that came out about it, I will um, link that as well. But, you know, it's just to show that literally in the matter of minutes or even seconds, something can change. So, you know, for the people that were around that, they were in danger and all they were doing was going to the store. Now, I do just want to provide a couple of disclaimers before we get really into the meat and bones of the episode. Um, So this channel, it does explore many different types of tragedies, which means that any episode may have themes that are disturbing to some listeners or viewers. 
This episode will have discussions of death as well as some video or audio depending on how you're reviewing or viewing this episode. I try not to be graphic unless it is absolutely necessary for the show, but still some events are very intense, so I just do want to give that warning. And this episode is for education, informative, or documentary purposes. The word remorse, what does that mean? Simply, it just means a regret or feeling guilty about doing something wrong. But what about the amount of remorse that a person feels? Does that depend on different factors? I think we'd have to say yes. You know, how serious was the offense? How many people did it affect? Does the person that committed it feel that they actually did anything wrong? Or do they think, why should I care because I'm okay? So yes, the range of remorse can greatly vary. But being remorseful can help others move on, at least as much as we can, or the lack of it can make survivors and loved ones feel even more pain, if that's even imaginable. I've spoken previously about knowing a number of people who've been murdered. And I've actually managed to, I don't want to say forgive, but accept that two of them are remorseful. Now, one of these days, I might cover the stories. Right now, it's even years later, very difficult to get into them in much detail. In one case where the person that I feel felt remorse, he committed suicide. Now, whether or not that was because he actually felt remorse or he didn't want to go to jail, we'll never really know. But I think for me, it's better for me to believe that he felt remorse. In the other instance, someone could very well have been arrested for their role in the crime, but they actually stayed behind and tried to provide aid and CPR to a family member of mine who had been shot. So even though at the onset this person was involved in a relatively minor crime that escalated really to, due to just one person um, that escalated it, but still, the one who tried to render aid could very easily have run, knowing that they would you know, get in serious trouble, but instead they stayed. And actually, they were not charged. Um, so they were not actually the one who had you know, committed the shooting, but at the same time, they were part of it. Um, I know I'm going into a little bit of detail there, but he definitely showed remorse for being any part of it. So I've moved on from there. But then other, other of the um, situations, if someone wanted to get out of jail to go to school, um, this is after killing two people. Um, you know, and another one, the defense was he wasn't loved enough as a child, which is just a big slippery slope. So remorse is something that is so, so important for those who are left behind. 
But if someone does not show any remorse, what does that mean? Were they born without emotions or the ability to know right from wrong? Some people say that a head injury can affect people and how they see right and wrong or impact you know, some of their impulse control. Or can someone just be born and not really care about what happens to others? Did they sometimes witness or experience trauma as a child and develop an insensitivity to violence and pain? I mean, so many different things that we can think of. So while researching this case, I saw an image of a newspaper that just had the headline. It said, Adios, John Thanos. This was a headline after the aforementioned John Thanos had been executed. So no matter what your opinion is of the death penalty, there's no doubt that the most solemn of the tasks that the justice system will do is follow through on the death penalty. Because of the nonchalance of that headline, I did not click on the article and was even a little upset that it seemed that the newspaper was showing some type of levity towards the execution. But as I did more research, I found out why I kept seeing the word adios in not just that article, but others. Getting to the end of one of the sources, I found that the single word adios is actually the verbal representation that this multiple murderer named John Thanos had absolutely no remorse. One of his final words on this earth just before his execution was adios. Now, just before I get into more detail, if you do start to Google his name, I'm giving you a warning that you will come up with some pretty interesting pictures. Um, if you are familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the villains, if you will, is Thanos. So, I saw mashups of John Stamos as Thanos, of John Wick or John Cena. Um, I think there was another John in there fighting Thanos. So there are, you know, different images that you can come across. So if you are looking for information, I would probably put something like John Thanos Maryland or something to narrow it down so you're not kind of bombarded with a lot of images that have absolutely no relevance to this case. So John Thanos was born in March of 1949. Um, he is termed as a spree killer. So this is different than a serial killer, but a spree killer is basically someone who just kills at random in a short period of time. Um, he killed three people, teenagers, and he was executed for the murders in 1994, becoming the first person to be executed in decades in Maryland. Now, his young life was turbulent, just to say the least. And his parents were named John Stephen, who, just for the sake of simplicity, if I do mention him, I will call him Stephen. Um, his mother was Patty. 
Stephen had served in World War II, and I think the only way that I can describe him is vile. He abused his family. He abused John. He abused one of John's sisters, and in order to do this, he actually slipped his wife, Patty, sleeping pills so that she wouldn't know what he was doing to their daughter. So just when you think you've heard it all, this comes up. So John, his life and crime began early. After he was expelled from school, he really began a revolving door in and out of prison. So I'm just going to recap a couple of his earlier cases um, before we get to the cases that you know I'm, I'm going to be discussing today. His earliest crime was on the western side of Maryland, um, so off of Delmarva, um, even though he definitely left an impact on the eastern shore. But in 1968, he assaulted a woman in Rosedale, Maryland, and that's in Baltimore County. Now, this actually earned him a 21-year sentence, and he actually did himself no favors in regards to that sentence. He threatened the judge. And he also escaped in 1971, but was caught soon after that. So, so far, it seems like Thanos will be off the streets for a pretty good while, even if he gets out on parole. And he did get out a little early in April of 1986. But about a month after his release, he committed armed robbery and was given eight years. He served four of them. Now, initially... When I first read this, my thought was, you know, he's already served time for a pretty violent crime. Given that it was armed robbery, I thought he would get more time. But as, you know, I got a few more sentences in, two different articles, it, it gets worse. Because not only was he out of jail or out of prison in only four years, he was actually let out by mistake. It was an accident. Now, I know people make mistakes. We are human. But there are some things that just cannot be overlooked or not done correctly because this is what happens. In this case, a criminal, a violent criminal, was let out early. He was released in April of 1990. But yes, the employee who made that mistake was fired. Now, um, this is when he decided to move to a different section of Maryland. So he came over the bridge to Salisbury to spread his web of fear and pain into a whole new community. He worked as a bricklayer, which actually was my dad's profession as well. And he also worked in a chicken processing plant in Salisbury, which also is coincidentally the same company that my sister has worked for for well over 30 years, but at a different location. So this just, as far as you know, that being the same company, it shows that a lot of things are related here on the Eastern Shore. But John being John could only behave for so long, if he ever really had behaved at all. Looking at the timeline of events, he was released 
in April, or let's just say the spring of 1990. And the summer of 1990 brought the charges that would change so many lives. It began with a woman who gave him a ride. She picked him up and he exposed himself and she did report this. Well, as with so many criminals, he was afraid that he would be going back to prison. And unfortunately, instead of just trying to hide or lay low, he took things in a whole different direction. So this was late summer by the time all of this occurred. Um, and he did something rather impetuous by quitting his job. And then he bought a semi-automatic rifle, a 22 caliber. He sawed the barrel down so that he could carry it in a smaller doctor's bag. And this was on August 29th, 1990. That night, he kidnapped a cab driver, Milton Marcy. He stuffed him into the trunk and threatened to kill him if he didn't cooperate. Thanos drove around for hours, all the while the poor driver was in the trunk of what would have most likely been a hot and muggy day. And he had to have been so scared of what the kidnapper would do. But eventually Thanos did abandon the car with the driver supposedly or relatively unharmed, but there really wasn't much information about his condition or if he suffered with dehydration or heat-related symptoms because it had to have gotten extremely hot in there. I do find it you know, amazing that really an important factor in the case is left out of many articles. I actually did not find his name until I was looking at the last of my sources. So, you know, I just found that interesting, um, you know, that it wasn't mentioned earlier on or what his condition was. Now, two days later, Thanos was hitchhiking. An 18-year-old named Gregory Taylor stopped to give him a ride. Thanos told Taylor to drive to a wooded area. Remember, Thanos had the gun, so of course, Taylor would be you know, complying with his demands. Once they got there, it was almost like Thanos took pleasure in the fact that Taylor was scared. Thanos said that the young man begged for his life and in fact at one point used the term wind and Thanos then shot the Mardella high schooler three times. This was done near Salisbury so it was on the Delmarva Peninsula. He then took Taylor's car and even tried to alter his appearance some to look more like Taylor. On September 1st, Thanos found he needed what every driver needs at some point in time, fuel. By this point, he had crossed over into Baltimore County, Essex to be specific, and so at this point was off of Delmarva for the time being. There he went into a gas station, but he didn't have money to cover the gas. The clerk at the store was a young 16-year-old named Billy Weinbrenner. Now, of course, Thanos didn't have money to fall back on. Um, you know, he didn't have a savings since he'd spent most of his adult life in jail. But he did have his father's watch. He made a deal with Billy and gave him Stephen's watch. In return, he got $20 in cash 
and some gas. And here, I guess we could say Billy was almost acting like a pawnbroker because he would let Thanos buy back the watch for $60. So Billy was probably thinking, ah, oh, this is a good deal. So um, at this point, the two finished up the deal. Thanos got some gas and said he would be back to pay the $60 to get the watch back. The following day on September 2nd, Thanos robbed a convenience store in Salisbury, so back onto Delmarva. Um, this just goes to show how easy it was to go back and forth um, from area to area. And his MO, which was to shoot someone in the head, he followed that again. But this time, the store clerk thankfully did survive. So he did com um, commit armed robbery at a convenience store in Salisbury, but the clerk did survive. The total taken in the robbery was less than $100. It was a grand total of $96. Now, the following day, Thanos went back to the gas station where Weinbrenner worked. And he was happen or he did happen to be working at that time, as well as his girlfriend named Melody Pistorio was visiting him there too, just to kind of keep him company and to pass the time. Now, Weinbrenner did not bring the watch to work with him. Um, from what I understood, there was no specific time frame for Thanos to come back, and this was also the time before cell phones, so it's not like they would have just been texting back and forth, you know, would have gotten each other's numbers or anything. So, he had given the watch to Melody to keep in the jewelry box, and while I think some people may have found this inconvenient, you know, thinking that the team would bring it to work every day until Thanos came back to claim it. Thanos may have been thinking that the team would just bring it every day. Um, things just did not seem to have been really worked out as to when he would be coming back. So, you know, Weinbrenner did not think of bringing it to work each day. So this, of course, enraged Thanos. Um, one of my first thoughts was, would there have been a guarantee that Weinbrenner would have actually been working or not? But he got angry and once again, he robbed a store. He pointed the gun at the teenager and Billy complied with his request. He gave him all the money from the register, but John Thanos would not leave it at that. He shot the two twice in the head. So in just a few days, he had killed an 18, a 16, and a 14-year-old. He had ended these young lives for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then he came back to Delmarva. On September 4th, an astute Salisbury police officer spotted Thanos. He fit the description of the September 2nd armed robbery at the convenience store. This is where I think it becomes important to recognize that when somebody is traveling back and forth from one side of the bridge to the other, which is you know, really how we differentiate, you know, over the bridge is in the Baltimore area, on the other side of the, or if you're from Baltimore, you might be saying over the bridge is then on Delmarva. It's really, um, even though it's, 
you know, just a bridge, it does feel like there's this separation. So even though there have been a few different cases, you've had a convenience store robbery in one county, on the other side of the bridge, you've had another convenience store robbery that resulted in two deaths. Um, back into Salisbury, Gregory Taylor at this point is just known as being missing. So all of these cases, these three cases, as well as, um, you know, the, um, the poor cab driver being in the trunk of the car, you know, we have all of these things going on and we have to wonder if the police were actually putting any of this together. Frankly, you know, there's so many things that happen each day. Who's really going to think that these three seemingly unrelated crimes, or four, I should say, are related at all? Most people probably wouldn't. So when the police officer saw Thanos, he's probably thinking this is the convenience store robbery um, suspect, but nothing more but kind of on a scary thought, that would mean that there were three violent criminals roaming Maryland. Now the officer did pull the car over and as you may have realized at this point, Thanos was not going down without a fight. As the police walked towards the car, he began to fire at them. Now amazingly, the shootout um, did not harm anyone, nobody was hit. This would have almost been miraculous as this was on the side of a, the road and a stray bullet could have easily hit a motorist or a pedestrian, you know, someone riding a bike, anybody basically. But thankfully no one, you know, um, was injured. Unfortunately, they were not able to apprehend Thanos and he was able to get away by driving his car or actually Taylor's car. Um, he knew that the vehicle would be spotted. So he put some distance between himself and the police. He abandoned his car and walked through a forested area and managed to get a passing car to stop. And again, being Thanos, once he did, he pointed the gun towards the driver and directed him to drive towards Delaware. So this would have been going north. The driver, of course, did as he was told or she. There really isn't much information that I saw on that. Now, later in Smyrna, Delaware, an officer did spot Thanos. So, presumably by now, you know, um, police departments all over Delmarva, um, probably New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, the western side of Maryland, all of Virginia, those are usually the areas that are covered if, you know, there's a crime in this particular, in that area, just to cover all of the bases of where someone might flee. So the Delaware police would have been aware of, you know, somebody being on the run. And so in Smyrna, Delaware, which is about a little bit north of the center of the state, um, this officer did you know, call for backup. They were able to follow him into a parking lot and the police surrounded him. The hostage was able to, you know, use the unexpected you know, um, ambushed by the police to run away. Um, but of course, Thanos started to shoot at the police. They shot back. Thanos ran out of ammunition. And thankfully, again, no one was injured. 
there was a lot of property damage, especially to vehicles, but nobody further was shot. Thanos, being out of bullets, did surrender. While being interviewed with the Smyrna police, he did reveal the details of his crime, and they were even able to get that recorded. So in other words, there would be pretty much no defense. He also repeated the same confession to Maryland police because he was turned over to Maryland on September 5th. So that is a pretty quick turnaround time to, you know, have him go back to another state. The trial, the trials began in 1991 and a trial can be very traumatic for the family who's lost a loved one at the hands of a vicious criminal and every day if they choose to attend they'll see that person or persons sitting at the table with their defense attorney and with that attorney doing his or her job no matter what to raise a reasonable doubt of whether or not their client committed the crime or to bring other factors into the case that might mitigate or lessen their responsibility Sometimes that client, though, can do things so outrageous that the defense attorney kind of has the work cut out for them. Now, what was deemed his lesser charges, which, you know, I, I almost, I, I know that was a descriptor that was used to describe them, but really these charges are still very serious, especially for those that lived through it. So the first charges that he went to trial for were the kidnapping of the cab driver and the armed robbery of the convenience store where the clerk survived. Um, you know, so the fact that these are actually being considered the lesser offenses is really mind-boggling. You know, something so serious and it only gets worse. The other um, cases, the two murder cases or trials, because they were separated with Taylor on the Eastern Shore and then Weinbrenner and Pistorio on or in Western Maryland. There were changes of venue for those two cases, but given that he committed violent crimes on both sides of the bridge, even traveling into Delaware, I'm pretty sure that the majority of the people um, in any county that would have been in the jury pool probably had heard of him. So some people may question why they had so many different trials instead of putting those that happened in the same counties together. This was really for a reason to make sure that he was behind bars. Unfortunately, sometimes things do occur where a guilty person might go free and that puts everybody else at danger. We even have it here, though not related to the actual trial or sentencing, where a mistake occurred and Thanos was released. The prosecutors had to look at everything they had and decided that they would try him for each offense so that if for some reason one or two of those crimes um, if he was found not guilty at the trial or if the case was thrown out whatever you know the possibility that they would have other things to fall back on to make sure that he never got out of jail so some of it really falls down to double jeopardy 
so that you know someone cannot be tried twice for the same crime if they've been acquitted. So this was to make sure their bases were covered. The first trial began in March of 1991, and this was for the convenience store robbery that was non-fatal. The jury took a whopping 20 minutes to come back with a verdict of guilty. He was sentenced to 50 years. So I began to wonder if the long sentence was doled out due to his long rap sheet, if the judge was taking in the atrocities that he had committed, or both. In June of 1991 was the kidnapping of Milton Marcy is where, when that trial um, began or began and ended very quickly. And, you know, all I keep thinking about is this poor man being in that trunk when it was so hot. Um, an earlier case that I covered was where teenagers kidnapped an elderly woman and she was left in the trunk and I just cannot even begin to imagine the fear that they had to feel and you know again being on this hot hot day I mean, I'm I'm just surprised that there wasn't more mentioned about his condition that I could find you know to you know, just address what he went through but this trial was pretty quick um, especially for a kidnapping trial. You know, the jury um, really took very little time. It didn't last a day in total, and he was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years. January in 1992 brought the trial for the murders of Melody Pistorio and Bill Weinbrenner. You know, two young people whose lives, again, were taken for absolutely no reason other than to fill this perverse urge at the hands of this man, who seemed to have possessed no feeling for anyone. In the trial, Thanos did decide to take the stand. However, whether or not we can actually say that he was questioned or cross-examined would be a little dubious. Many people, including jurors, described his testimony as, quote, a 35-minute sermon. And coincidentally, that's how much time it took for the jury to find him guilty on all charges that were related to this case, of course. Next, he was found guilty also for the murder of Gregory Taylor. This is... Okay. He was at sentencing in March of 1992. So, you know, you have the trial... Um, the jury verdict, but the sentencing can and usually does happen at a different date. The judge did ask him what he wanted, either the death penalty or life in prison without parole. He responded, life in prison with the possibility of escape. So his air of nonchalance, his lack of care about the pain, that was all a reflection, too, of who he really was. And his choice of attire, too. He had a navy blue skull cap on with a Playboy bunny. He also threatened his attorneys at this time and said some other things regarding a female attorney. And since life with a possibility of escape is not an actual sentence, he was sentenced to the death penalty. 
June of 1992, he was also then sentenced to death for the murder of the two teenagers at the convenience store. So he had been sentenced to death in both murder cases. This is when he says some things that I'm just, it can be described as saying that he is going to desecrate the victim's remains or that's what he wanted to do. He brought more trauma to the families saying that he wanted to dig up the bodies of his victims. I'm going to say most of a quote that he said. I'm not going to read all of it because there's one part that I just, as a parent, I mean, I don't even like the rest of this, but there's a part that I don't think it's necessary, but the rest of it will just show his lack of remorse. He said, their cries bring laughter from the darkest caverns of my soul. I don't believe I could satisfy my thirst yet in this matter unless I was to be able to dig these brats' bones up out of their graves right now and beat them into a pattern, powder, and then I'm going to skip, then stir it into a murky yellowish elixir and serve it up to their loved ones. So just imagine this is what I read and not even the part that I skipped. So of course the families and friends of the victims were horrified and Thanos was probably scraping at and removing any amount of healing that may have possibly have occurred. Any mercy that a court might have given him, you know, for with something less than the death penalty was probably greatly diminished after him saying this. And while the death penalty would usually be followed by the maximum number of appeals that could be filed, Thanos did not want to prolong the inevitable. He waived all of his appeals, and though, um, though others appealed on his behalf, he asked them not to. However, he did agree to a proposition um, that could have impacted the way that Maryland administered the death penalty, at that time, the means of execution in Maryland was the gas chamber. So one attorney who was against the death penalty wanted to show that the gas chamber was cruel and unusual punishment. So he asked Thanos to have his execution recorded with an EEG attached to have the data saved. And Thanos had agreed. However, before his execution, Maryland changed the means of that to a lethal injection. And also Thanos did want his body to be left for science, and it was. Patty Thanos said once of her son, I want to kill, I'm sorry, she said that her son said this, I want to kill in order to be killed. Then she continued by saying, he said he was getting too old and didn't have the guts to kill himself, so he was going to have a shootout with the police. She and her daughter tried to file appeals, but Thanos did not want them to. He said he had accepted it. Now this is where I'm going to end today. Um, the rest of the episode will be about partially how Maryland administers the death penalty, some of the things that went on um, you know, in the shadows, even behind you know, John Thanos is back because he had already said he didn't want to file appeals. So the next episode is going to be more 
about that, not the actual, you know, events of the crime as we've already gone over those, but more of the legacy and the reactions. Now, when I do a two-part episode, I do try to get them out more quickly um, together than other episodes so that you're not waiting a long time. So within the next couple of days, the episode um, number two will actually come out. And it does take me about 24 hours from the time that the podcast goes up for the YouTube video to go up just so I can put some pictures and things together um, and do any editing. So I will start working on recording the second episode ASAP. And, you know, um, the topic, of course, is a topic that can be very polarizing. And I will try to do my best to you know, cover both sides. I know at times it can be, you know, hard too, given the circumstances that this man took away three very young, promising lives from their families, their friends, and they never really had a chance to live life. They didn't meet any of, you know, the major milestones um, that most people meet in life. You know, not to mention not being able to live out their dreams and have families of their own. So we'll get into all those details next time. I really appreciate you guys sticking in as this is, you know, like I said, a pretty difficult case. Um, and I will talk to you all soon. Um, if you want to look at any of the sources, they'll be linked in the description as well as my contact info. Um, talk to you later. Bye.